the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. Jesus was communicating was that the kingdom of God is not so much a place, that's more the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is about the reign of God. It's the rule of God, where only God is king and only God is supreme and everybody else and everything else is subservient to the king. And what Jesus is wanting to communicate is that there can only be one king in your life. And the one king in your life has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So go out and share the kingdom of God. Let people know about the good news of Jesus. Pastor Gary has an important question for you in his message today. Is Jesus the king of your life? That doesn't mean that you simply pay him lip service and go about your life as you normally would. It means that you serve him every day, always. You live your life to glorify him. And you tell the world all the amazing and wonderful things he's done for you. Pastor Gary will urge you to share the good news of Jesus with everyone. All people deserve to have their sins forgiven and their lives changed. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Luke chapter 10 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Well, we come here to Luke chapter 10. In fact, uh, for you note-takers, much of what Luke gives us between chapters 10 and 19 is almost entirely something only you find in Luke's gospel. The stories, the events that transpire between Luke 10 and Luke 19 uh, are almost exclusively only found in the gospel of Luke. And this is one of them. As we come here to the first story here in chapter 10, Jesus is going to send out... 72. Now, some of your translations might say 70, 70, or 72. That doesn't change the significance of the story whatsoever. And you have to remember, where are these 72 coming from? I'll refer to 72 because that's the NIV. King James says 70. But where do they come from? Because these are not the 12. That's obviously more than that. You have to remember, again, that Jesus had many followers during this time, which was typical for any Jewish rabbi in the day. You'd have a group of followers who who listened to you, uh, studied under you, and Jesus had those. Now, among his many followers, and we don't know how many, the Bible never says, you know, how many were following him. The Bible talks at different times about those that departed from him. John chapter 6, that's a whole other Bible study when we get to John. So some of his followers felt like some of the stuff he was saying was too hard. Many left. But among however many were following him, he chose 12 to be his apostles. And those 12, then again minus Judas, and, but that would be the seedbed of the early church. From those initial disciples would grow 
the early church to what it is today, that we are the result of the faithfulness of the original 12. And yet Jesus, in addition to those 12, had many that followed him in general. And he's going to tell 72 of them to go out and practice ministry. It's a little bit like what we're going to read here is a little bit like on-the-job experience. You know, these guys aren't, they don't really have the education per se. They don't really have credentials per se. They're just going to learn to do this the hard way. They're going to go out and just do this. And Jesus is going to empower them to practice sharing the gospel, really. This first part of chapter 10 is a great section here about the importance and significance of what we call today evangelism. So look here with me in chapter 10. Verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. And do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So let's pause here uh, just a moment and just kind of backtrack and dig out these verses here together. So what Jesus is communicating to them is the importance of, of sharing the good news, or in the context, he talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Now, later in Luke 17, we're going to read, when people ask Jesus about the kingdom of God, he said, the kingdom of God will not come with your careful expectations. Neither will people say, here it is or there it is, for the kingdom of God is within you. And what Jesus was communicating was that the kingdom of God is not so much a place, that's more the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of God is about the reign of God. It's the rule of God where only God is king and only God is supreme and everybody else and everything else is subservient to the king. And what Jesus is wanting to communicate is that there can only be one king in your life. And the one king in your life has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So go out and share the kingdom of God. Let people know about the good news of Jesus. And again, today we would call this basically Evangelism 101. So this is some important stuff we're going to go over tonight about how to share your faith. A lot of times, you know, when we talk about coming to know Christ as your Savior and we're all about going through the Bible and sharing Christ in church as often as the Holy Spirit might prompt me from the pulpit particularly. But obviously, please know that coming to know Christ is more than just coming into a church service, hearing the gospel, which we want to do, and helping you to know how to get saved, which we want to do, and disciple you, which we want to do. It's also about sending the sheep out. This is about Jesus sending the sheep out 
to communicate. It isn't just about bring the unsafe people into the church. It's about getting the saved people out of the church to share the good news of the kingdom of God. Does everybody understand? And that's what he's talking about here. Go out, share about the kingdom, heal the sick, tell people about this, that they need to have Christ as Lord, share about who's supposed to rule and reign in their life. So as we look at this, here's some first just important things to understand about what he's saying here. The first thing is this. When he talks about the harvest, when he speaks here in terms of the harvest is plentiful there in verse 2, what he means is a lost world, a lost world that needs Christ. He's going to refer to the lost world as being like unto a harvest, like a wheat field. And he's going to tell us, particularly in John's gospel, John chapter 4, he's going to say the fields are ripe unto harvest. In other words, that the world that needs Christ is ripe for salvation. Now, not everybody in the world may know that or agree with it or believe it, but it just is true that the world is ripe for harvest. So he's communicating about this need for the gospel like unto a harvest. But then he adds there, he says, the harvest is plentiful. So in other words, the people in need of Christ are many. They're plentiful. But tragically, he says, there also in verse 2, the workers of the harvest are few. The people of the harvest are plentiful. The workers in the harvest are few. Now, who are the workers? Well, the workers in this story are the 72 he's going to send out. But the workers in general are everyone who knows Christ. We become workers in the harvest field to share the good news of Christ, going out into the fields and sharing about the kingdom, about the good news. So what Jesus says here, he first gives three directives and then two bits of information regarding instruction. So here's the first directive. The first directive, he says, is ask. Ask, there in verse 2, ask the Lord of the harvest. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus is Lord of the harvest. He's the one that ultimately gets people saved. You and I can't get people saved. We can only share the good news. He's the Lord of the harvest, okay? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first thing about evangelism that is important is for us to be praying people. To pray for the harvest, to pray for workers, that more and more people might come to know Christ. Evangelism starts with prayer. If you really want to see your loved ones, friends, and co-workers come to the same saving knowledge of Christ that you have, start it with prayer. Bathe it in prayer. Now, D.L. Moody one time said, before you can be a winner of souls, you must first be a weeper. For souls. And I think that's good advice. We have to weep over the lost. We have to, we got to get a heart for those who need Christ. Because if you've come to know Christ as your savior, you know what your life was like before. And you know how desperate you were to know Jesus. Now that you know Jesus, don't forget how desperate people are, even though in their desperation, they won't often see it, admit it, or know it. Until, you know, something happens and then they realize their desperation in the midst of whatever they're going through. There's a lot of people who are just casually content in this world and it's going to take a few challenges in their life to realize just how weak and frail they are and how much they need a Savior. But it begins with prayer. Ask, Jesus says. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot of us 
got that down, okay? Or some of us, I don't know how many proportionally, but then that's where it ends. Lord, send somebody. (laughs) Send somebody. And sometimes the Lord is like, "Um, how about you? And so that's what Jesus adds there in verse 3. Look at the first word, go. That's the exhortation. It isn't just be a praying person for the harvest. Yes, be that. But now let's put some things into action. Don't just pray about it. Do something about it. And Jesus then says to them, go. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Now, this is the directive for us. We are to go into the harvest field. We are to share the good news of Christ, okay? Now, here's where the challenge comes in. Because some of you will immediately think, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel equipped. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Mark this verse down right there in the margin of your Bible. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. There is a scene in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah, before he's called to be a prophet, is caught up in this vision where he sees the throne of God. And it's a spectacular vision that he has, and it's recorded there in Isaiah chapter 6. And he hears the voice of the Lord in this vision in Isaiah 6, 8, and the Lord says, who shall I send? Who will go for us? You know, as God surveys a lost and dying world, and then you hear the heart of God overflowing in Isaiah 6, 8, whom shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Now, He said that in verse 8 after what he says in verse 5. In Isaiah 6 verse 5, Isaiah says, I am ruined, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, woe is me, I am sinful, I am unclean, I am unworthy. And between Isaiah 6, 5 and Isaiah 6, 8, from when Isaiah says, I'm unworthy, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I live among a people of unclean lips, until verse 8 when he says, send me, is the scene where God dispatches an angel with a coal from the altar to touch the lips of Isaiah. In other words, it's this picture of the purifying work of God in the life of Isaiah to prepare him to go. And the fact is that now we have a greater purification through Christ on the cross. So that, in other words, though we are all unworthy in the truest sense of the word, because we're born into sin, we're sinful people, we're corrupt by nature. When you come to faith in Christ, through faith in Jesus, he purifies us, he cleanses us, he takes the unrighteous and makes us righteous before God. So therefore now, though we acknowledge there's nothing really worthy, I'm a sinner, But I'm saved through grace, and because I'm saved through grace, because of what Jesus has done, now here I am, Lord, send me. Don't think to yourself, I'll go when I get my act together. (laughs) When will that be? I mean, have you ever looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, I've got my act together? (laughs) Yes, I do. You know one of those things? No. We're all in process. We're all in the journey. You're saved. That's an instantaneous decision, and that is granted to you by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the life of living for Christ is a journey, and there will be some bumps in the road, and there will be some failure, and there's going to be some sin to repent of, and there's going to be some times that you go through some difficulties too. Look, all of those things 
don't disqualify you. All those things ultimately prepare you to relate to other people who are going through life just like you. So go. Don't wait. Go. Now, the third thing, though, that he adds here is beware. Beware because you're going into a hostile world. And that's why he adds there in verse 3, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. I mean, we, we just have to recognize that sometimes where we go and how we share our faith and when we talk about Jesus, it won't be received by everybody with cheer. It just won't. There's going to be some people that are offended. There's going to be some people that push back, that feel like you're intolerant. You start talking about Jesus is the only way to be saved. You can have a lot of people that think that's intolerant, bigoted. How can you possibly say such a thing? Don't all paths lead to God. And you start talking truth and speaking truth, even as gently and lovingly as you should, and we should try to do that always. There will be some people who find it offensive, intolerant, and all this kind of stuff, and they'll get hostile. You start talking about Jesus, there's going to be some people who you'll just encounter hostility. Jesus warns us, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. You know the typology, right? The picture is wolves are are enemies of lambs. Wolves kill lambs. Wolves shred lambs apart. Wolves attack. So you're going to go out into a world that not everybody will receive you. But then he goes on here to give some instructions about that so that we would be prepared for this kind of thing. And he adds there, number four, be dependent upon God as you go and share. That's why he says there in verse four, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. You know, just be completely dependent materially and spiritually and every other way on the Lord. Don't take anything. Just go. So in that sense, what he's saying is just be dependent upon me. And, and here's a great verse to remind us of our dependence. In Mark 13, verse 11, uh, Jesus says, Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. There will be times when you will experience that dependency upon the Lord just because you will find the Holy Spirit will give you the right words you're going to say. He's going to open up the right doors, the right opportunities for you to just share about the good news of Jesus. And so just be dependent upon him in every way and let the Lord use you as a vessel. Now, he adds, I just want to clarify at the end of verse 4 because it sounds a little unkind. He says, do not greet anyone on the road. Okay. Sometimes you got to understand context here, okay? So what does that mean? You know, you're, well, I'm supposed to go share my faith, or I'm supposed to at least be a vessel that God uses, but I'm not supposed to say hi to anybody along the way? Okay, so there's a Yiddish word for that. The Yiddish word is schmooze, okay? <laughs> it is really a Yiddish word. It comes uh, from the Hebrew schmut. Don't schmooze, don't schmut. In other words, don't just be lollygagging like, hey, how's it going? Yo, what's up? Hey, how's it going? What did you tweet today? Hey, like me on Facebook. You know, it's not, don't go around just schmoozing and lollygagging. In other words, he's saying, don't take time just to be distracted by schmoozing with people. Get to work. This is serious stuff. So that's what he means there. Now, he talks here in verses... um, five down really through the end of it, verse 12, where we stopped reading, he basically is saying this in a nutshell, number five on your list. Some will welcome you, others will reject you. Just get ready for that. And he says, basically, don't let their rejection stick to you. 
That's what he means about wipe the dust off your feet. The towns and the houses that refuse to hear and reject, the people that don't want what you have to offer them, don't let that stick to you. Wipe the dust off of your feet. Because in essence, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. Don't take it personally. If you, if you take every encounter that you have with people in regards to sharing your faith personally, you're either going to get puffed up like you did a great work because now, look, I got somebody saved. Or you're going to take it really personally the other way. Look, nobody, I can't share my faith. Everybody rejects me. and I'm never going to do this again. And, and all that kind of stuff. So Jesus is saying here, listen, just don't take anything personally. This is the work of God. If people get saved, you're just the vessel. God is the one who gets people saved, not you or me. And if they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Okay? So where you go, let your peace go with you to whatever house. And if there's a person of peace there, if somebody receives what you're saying, then the peace of the Lord will come upon them. If, if they reject you, then... Take your peace back and be on your way and trust God to do his good work in the lives of those people. You know, we can only do our part. And by the way, sometimes our part is just to plant the seed. And someone else is going to come along and water. And God gives the increase. This is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So let me just summarize these five points now. I want to tarry here just a little bit longer in this whole idea of evangelism, sharing your faith, because I know from talking to people just how uncomfortable this is for some people. So what I want to do now is just share basically with you what is commonly referred to as the four spiritual laws. I want everybody to understand this. This might be very elementary for some of you. I get that. But for the sake of everybody else that may not know this, this is important ground to cover. Everybody needs to get this. So I'm going to just briefly share four spiritual laws. How do you share your faith and kind of disarm some of the fears and apprehension so we can kind of understand what God is up to through us, okay? So very basic four spiritual laws. And and this is not anything I came up with. In fact, I think it was actually Bill Bright who came up with this, Campus Crusade for Christ. The danger in sharing the four spiritual laws, some people refer to as the four spiritual flaws, is that you kind of put the gospel into a formula. That's not the intent. If you look at it that way, then you'll see it as flawed. If you just look at it in terms of, help me understand the basic premise behind why somebody needs Christ, you have to get that first before you can ever really share your faith. So first things first. First of the four spiritual laws is this. Understand that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. When you're thinking about sharing your faith with somebody else, you have to go in with this mindset that you have to help them and understand that God loves them and God has a plan for their lives. That's what John 3, 16 is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God loves you and God has a great plan for you. And by the way, if you don't know Christ as your savior, this is for you directly. So please hear this tonight. God loves you, has a plan for your life. But number two, man is sinful and separated from God. So Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, there's a perfect standard that God has. None of us measures up to it. Don't kid yourself, none of us does. Every single one of us knows our own heart. Even somebody who's not a Christian will at least say they're not a perfect person. 
Everybody I know will say that. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection and that we were able to dig into the Gospel of Luke together. Did you know you could download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you anywhere you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies, and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, you can also learn about the church behind this ministry. We'd love to meet you at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. We're meeting weekly in person and online, so please join us for worship and Bible study. You can find all the information you need to connect and get service times at our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We pray you've been blessed by this teaching today on the life of Jesus. Know that we're praying for you too. Is there anything specific we could lift up to the Lord? Let us know by emailing prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time to continue studying Luke right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know.